0: Hello and welcome to Ancient Ways for Modern Days. My name is Mike Freeman, and I'm glad to have you here today as we begin a brand new book of the New Testament, and we are going to look at 1 Corinthians over the next few weeks. Now, if you're new to Ancient Ways for Modern Days, uh, I'm really glad you're joining us. In this podcast, what we do is we follow our church's uh, New Testament Bible reading plan, which basically is every weekday we read run one chapter of the New Testament. And uh, in this podcast, what we do is take a thought, a portion of that chapter, and I give a bit of an application or maybe just um, expand on it a bit to allow the text to sink in a little bit more deeply and help us to apply it so we can live faithfully as Christ's followers. Now, I, I don't typically ask people to share this or to like it, things like that. Um, we're not really doing this for a lot of self-promotion, but but what we would ask is if this is helpful for you and you think it would be helpful for other people. Um, as families use it, they listen to it um, for their daytime devotions, things like that. You know, I, I would encourage you to share it and maybe even uh, uh, like it or rate it or however however it works on whatever platform you're listening to. Uh, we, we believe in the tool. We believe in what we're doing, helping people think deeply about their life in this modern world, but applying the ancient words of scripture that are that are timeless and that really do impact our life in a major way. Now that said, let's jump in and today we're going to look at 1 Corinthians. Paul is writing to the church in Corinth and uh, and this is a church that's a bit upside down. They're a church that they trust Christ, they love Christ, but they, they, they really don't uh, know what it looks like to live faithfully. And uh, they, they've got sin they need to deal with. They've got some issues they need to deal with. And so through this letter, Paul is going to help deal with those issues. Now, to get things started, I, I love the way the book begins because it begins by reminding us of the humility we should have, recognizing that we are saved. In fact, this, this lines up really well with uh, at least the timing of this episode being released, this past weekend's message, where we're preaching through the book of Ephesians, and in preaching through it, we, we just handled Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, where it teaches that by grace you have been saved through faith. It, it, it is a gift of God. It's not by our own work, and so it's not so it's a, so that none of us can boast. Well, that actually lines up really well with the passage I want to I want us to consider today. And so uh, let's jump in to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, the end of the chapter, actually, starting in verse 26. Here's what Paul writes to this church in Corinth. He says, For consider your calling, brothers. C- consider you coming to faith. He says, Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. Now here's what he's saying. He's saying this church is made up of people that not many of them were, we would call maybe the society's elite. And this is still true today. There there are some from maybe wealth or from highly educated backgrounds or in positions of power that come to faith. Thank God for that, right? Paul is saying that, Paul does not say that it was none of them were of those stations, but he says not many of you were. Well, because not many people are, right? But, but that said, he said, not many of you were of these high stations. Verse 27, but God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. This is just like God. God is the, the kind of God. He, he is our God. And he is a God who uses things that are weak and he uses them in a powerful way to demonstrate his power. Because when something is weak and it's used in a powerful way, well, that that weak vessel does not get the glory. God gets the glory. God uses what is foolish in this world to accomplish something amazingly wise. Why? Because, well, it's not that foolish one that says, oh, look at how intelligent they are. Like, no, no. Look at how God has worked through this person. Text continues. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring thing nothing, to bring to nothing things that are. He, he makes the proud and the built up, he makes them nothing, and takes those who are by worldly standards considered nothing, and he elevates them. Verse 29. So that no human being might boast in the presence of God. There's never going to be a moment where someone stands before God and says, God, look what I have done. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. We are in Christ. There's that phrase. Our church loves to point out this phrase, in Christ. This is the believer's identity, the one who is trusted in the death and resurrection of Jesus. This is the person who is in Christ. And for that person, for you and for me, if we've trusted in Jesus, it says Jesus has become to us wisdom from God. We might have been foolish, but now we see the world with such wisdom because we see it through God's eyes. He's become to us righteousness. We were not right with God. This was what Romans described. We lacked righteousness, but now we're in Christ, and so now we have righteousness. Sanctification means to be made holy, We've been been made holy and we're being made holy in redemption. We've been taken out of the slave market of sin. We've been bought back with the blood of Jesus. Here's the payoff, verse 31. So that as as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. This is where this text lands. This is our ancient way for our modern day. Our, our takeaway today is to recognize that anyone who boasts, they are to boast not in their wisdom, not in their strength, not in their status status or their degree or, or their position. You and I, we boast in the Lord. Here's what it looks like. Let's say you are the most brilliant person you know. Maybe that's true in your mind, and maybe it's not so true in the minds of the people around you. But maybe you really—you are someone of high intellect. Well, here's what it looks like to boast in the Lord. You use your intellect and your skills to bring glory to God, and whenever you're recognized for whatever amazing thought you have, you say, you know, I really recognize that my mind, it was wired by God. That that any intellectual ability I have it is because of God's grace and kindness in my life. Let's say you are an all-star athlete. There's some high schoolers that listen to this podcast. Let's say you're the best uh, athlete out there. You see, you're the strongest CrossFitter, or you you're a great pitcher, or a great football player, or a great swimmer, or or whatever your uh, activity of choice might be. And you you excel, and you have moments of recognition. In that moment, are you like? Yeah, I am pretty awesome. In that moment, you say, I I thank God that he's given me this ability. And you say, whether I win or I lose, may I play in a way that honors him and gives glory to God. This means you don't look down upon those who are weaker than you or who are less intelligent than you. Let's say you're in a position of power or prestige. Maybe you have been elevated in your place of employment. If that's you and you have that position, do you carry yourself around like you are the greatest thing since sliced bread? Do you walk through life saying, you know, all these people, they they really should just like be thankful I'm around them. Or do you look at every person like they are made in the image of God? Maybe you're the CEO and do you walk through and do you look in your janitor's eyes and you say, thank you for the work you do here. See, this kind of attitude is a kind of attitude that we recognize that, that we, everything we have, it's a gift from God. And so anything we accomplish, we, we accomplish it and we give thanks to God. And we boast in the Lord. And the greatest of boasting, the, the most appropriate way to boast in the Lord is when it comes to our salvation. Remember, he begins by asking us to consider our calling being placed in Christ. When we recognize that we're in Christ by the grace of the Lord, not by anything we've done, but by his grace in our life, we simply say, God is so awesome. Let me tell you what Jesus has done. Can you believe it? Jesus lived a perfect life? Ah, that's amazing. And then he gave credit to me for that perfect life. Jesus died a a sacrificial death. He was my substitute. He paid the price for my sin. Jesus was resurrected. And now he reigns victoriously. And now I positionally, I am in Christ, seated at the right hand in the heavenly places. You know what we do? We boast in the Lord. You know, one final application I would add is this applies to the way we, we carry about our public life, the way we carry about our private life, but this also applies to the way we carry about our congregational life. I think part of this is when we, we remember that when we gather for worship and when we, when we sing and we sing the attributes of God, when we th- sing about who God is and what God has done, this is actually a moment for us to boast in the Lord. So the next Lord's Day, when you're gathered with your church, maybe you're part of Valley and you're gathered with us, the next Lord's Day, I-, I encourage you to boast in the Lord. to Sing praise to him regardless of whether you have the most amazing voice that's ever been made or maybe it's not so uh, beautiful in worldly standards. Use your voice to boast in the Lord. This is our ancient way for the modern day.